Good to be here tonight. If you want to follow us tonight, we're going to be over in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 16. And then we're going to turn over to Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. But tonight I'd like to take my text out of Psalms 119, 89. And the Bible says this, Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. And that word settled in the Hebrew means it's established, means it will stand, means it's perpetual, and means it's everlasting. And folks, we live in a world where ideas change daily, fads change daily, clothing changes daily, morals change daily, beliefs change daily. Listen, nothing ever remains the same. There's only three things in this world that remain the same. Number one, sin and disobedience against a holy God. Number two, the Word of God is forever settled. It's forever established. I am God and I change not. And number three, the power of the blood. Folks, there's still power in the blood. The blood has never lost its power. And any dispensation, any generation, listen, the Word forever stands and the blood forever stands. Now listen to me. The Bible's made up of 66 individual books. It was written in different time periods by many, many authors. But let me tell you something. The Bible today is in perfect harmony. Through every dispensation, through every generation, the Bible has stood true. Listen, I don't care what man has done, what man's intellect thinks. Did you know the devil, he has, he's very intellectual, but he has no wisdom. Listen to me. Now, there's two different passages we want to look at tonight. First over Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. Let me tell you something. The message that Isaiah preached 700 years before Jesus was the same message that Jesus preached 700 years later, and it's the same message that I'm going to preach tonight. Listen, forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. And we get over to chapter 1 of Isaiah, verse 4. And we see the condition of the nation of Israel. This is what God says about the condition of the nation of Israel. We see a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked the Holy One of Israel to anger. They've gone away backward. And through the great prophet Isaiah, God begins to elaborate on the condition of the nation of Israel. And God used through the book of Isaiah, sinful, sinful, many, many times, all the way through the book of Isaiah. Now listen to me. Because of their sins, 
because of their iniquity. Let me tell you what iniquity is. You may not agree with me. Iniquity is habitual sin. Iniquity is self-knowing sin. What did Jesus say? He said, something has separated me and you. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah said, I'm not, God said in Isaiah chapter 59, he said, I'm not here to, I'm not hard of hearing. I, I, I can listen to you. But he said, there's something that's separated between you and me, and it's your sins that separated me, and I choose not to hear you. Now listen to me. They were people laden with iniquity. That word in the Hebrew, it translates great Grievous, hardened, heavy laden, and much thick. They, this was a nation that was covered with much thick of iniquity. What's that sound like today? What's that sound like today in our world? Let me tell you something, people. When people turn their back on God, things begin to happen. When people turn their back on God, let me tell you something. When that guy there over in, in Luke chapter 10, when he turned his back to the right, he was in the city of God. When he turned his back to the right and his face to the wrong, and he started that trip down Jericho, Jerusalem's 2,600 feet above sea level, Jericho's 680 feet below sea level. Listen, when he had his back to the right and his face to the wrong, he got in trouble. Listen, when people turn their back on God, look out. Now listen to me. God had chastened the nation of Israel over and over and over. He had devoured their cities. He had burnt their cities. He had scattered their people. Folks, listen, there's nobody that suffered on earth like the nation of Israel. Did you know that? Now listen to what God said to him in verse 5. He says, why should you be stricken anymore? He said, you'll revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. That's what God said about Israel. Now, the book of Isaiah is not in chronological order. But over in chapter 6, verse 8, God commissions Isaiah to go to the nation of Israel with a message. And Isaiah seed the holies of holies. He seed the cherubims. And Isaiah said, woe is me, for I'm undone, for I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Bible said one of the cherubims took a coal from off the altar and touched Isaiah's lips. And God said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. Nobody desires Israel like God does. And folks, I want to tell you, friend, if you're here and you're lost, nobody desires you like God does. Listen. Now here was the message that God sent to Israel. 
starting in verse 16. He said, wash you, make you clean, put away your evil doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. He said, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Now listen to what he says. To a people of a people laden with sinful iniquity, a seed of evildoers, listen to what God says. He said to Israel, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Listen to what he says. Though your sins be as scarlet, scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be crimson, they shall be as wool. And he said, if you'll come to me, if you'll reason with me, if you will, if you'll reason with me, if you'll admit your sins, if you'll admit your iniquities, and you'll turn from your sins, he said, I'll be willing and obedient. He said, you'll eat from the good of the land. That was the Great message that God sent to Israel through Isaiah. It was a message of love, and it was a message of mercy. Let me tell you something, folks. He offered these people complete forgiveness. Listen, the message was, come now. Let us reason together. I don't care how far Israel has indulged in sin, how far Israel, how many uh, uh, idols they've worshipped, how many kids that they, they threw in the fire. I don't care how far they got in sin. God said to them, if you'll come to me and reason with me, I'll forgive you. Folks, that's true today. That's true today. You may be a drunkard. You might be transgendered. Let me tell you something. There's no difference between the drunkard, the transgender. There's no difference between the homosexual. There's no difference between the liar. There's no difference between the fornicator. There's no difference between the adulterer. Let me tell you something. It's all sin against a righteous, holy God. And the only way it can be forgiven is through the blood of Jesus. So God says here, come now. Let's reason this thing out. Let me tell you what Israel believed. And we see this today in society. We see it a lot in our churches. Israel believed as long as they made the proper sacrifices at the right time of the year with the right animals and they took them to the priest, Israel believed they could live just any way they wanted to as long as they kept those sacrifices. Well, folks, let me tell you something. That sacrifice only covered them for a year. God told them, he said, I don't want your sacrifices. He said, I don't want your sacrifices. God said, I, I don't want your sacrifices, but he said, I want obedience. He said, I want fellowship. He said, I want to be your father. Israel was the wife of God, Jehovah God. He said, I want to be your father. I want to commune with you. I want you to commune with me. I want, to want you to put away the evil doings, the evil thoughts, the adulteries, the witchcraft. I want you to put all this away. I'll forgive it, and we'll have fellowship. 
He still says that today. He invited them to come to their senses. And he'd bless them and he'd feed them. But let me tell you something. In verse 20, God gave them an alternative if they rejected him. Now, friend, if you're here tonight, I want to say something. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. If you reject the mercies of God through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, let me tell you something, you're headed for disaster. For disaster. Now, what did God tell them here in verse 20? God said, but if you refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let me tell you something. God wants to bless his people. God wants to bless his people. These were covenant people. These was children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God wanted to bless them. But what did they do? They set up false altars, false idols. Jeremiah said they worshipped everything, every stick, stone, and block under the sun, Jeremiah said. Israel had a decision to make. And friend, you do too. Israel had a decision to make. They could accept God's offer and come and reason with God and repent of their sins. They could throw away their idols. They could throw away their fornications. They could throw away their adulteries. They could throw away all their disobedience and sinfulness against God. God didn't care how far in sin that they went. Listen, you can't go so far in sin that the blood won't cleanse you. Listen, we're hopeless without the blood. Now listen to me. If you go over to chapter 30 of Isaiah, Israel gives an answer. She had a decision to make. And first God speaks, he says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, he says, in returning and rest, ye shall be saved. In quietness and confidence, ye shall be strengthened. And look what God says, and you would not. Now here's what the people said. But ye said, no, for we will flee upon horses, therefore shall we flee. And we'll ride upon the swift. Therefore they that pursue you will be swift. Now let me say something. Nobody has a desire to save Israel like God. Nobody has a desire to save you this evening like God. You'll never find anybody in this world or the world to come that loves you, that wants you like God. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you think about God spared Abraham's son, but he didn't spare his? That's how much he loved you. 
Now listen to me. Israel was taken off into captivity. Folks, sin pays a wage. Lost or saved. I've brought things in my family's life since I've been a, since I've been a, a, a Christian that should have never been there. Even though God forgive it, I still pay the consequence for it. Let me tell you something. Sin pays a wage. It pays a wage. Now listen, what a disaster. Israel was taken into captivity. And they were in bondage for many years simply because they rejected an invitation from God. What a disaster. God sent them a message of love, a message of grace, a message of mercy. He desired to forgive them. He plainly told them what he would do. Israel could return to God regardless of how deep she indulged in sin. God would not ask them a question. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. Isaiah 30 and 20. What did God do? And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, that word affliction can be translated and I don't mean translated, but it means pain, distress, or misery. Because of their rebellion, they were taken into captivity. Now let me tell you something. Eventually the remnant returned to Palestine, but they left a multitude of graves in Babylon. Now here's a verse that the church don't want to hear and the world don't want to hear, but it applies to both of us. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived. What's that word mean? It means to roam from the truth. It, it means to go astray, to wander out of the way. Be not deceived. Don't be led astray. You know, during the tribulation, those that love the right unrighteousness of the world and over the righteousness of Christ. God said he'd send them strong delusion and they would be damned because they'd believe a lie. But he says, he's talking to the church, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth. What are you talking about soweth? Whatsoever a man scatters, whatsoever a man plants, that shall he also reap, harvest. What do you, what do you mean reap? It means harvest. For he that soweth of the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now what is corruption? Something's corruptible will perish. We're, we're trying to get an incorruptible crown. We want an incorruptible body. But something's corruptible will perish. It will ruin. It will rot. It will decay. And he says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit 
shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now listen. Peter said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Let me tell you something. It's God's will to save everyone. Everyone was predestined to be like Christ. Everyone was predestined to come to God through the blood of Christ, have a personal relationship with Christ. Everyone's predestined to be in the image of Christ. Listen to me. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Let me tell you something. Jew, Gentile, bond, or free. Romans says, for whose, Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's provided redemption through anyone that will come to him. John 1 and 12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. If you're here tonight, you've got a decision to make. I was going to get into this later, but let me tell you something. Right now, the next great event for the church is the rapture of the Harpezio. And then we're going to go into Jacob's troubles. And while we're in Jacob's troubles, I was going to preach on this tonight and change my mind. The church is going for a meeting in the air. And that meeting in the air is not going to be a happy place. Because we're going into the judgment seat of Christ. But let me tell you something. After the judgment seat of Christ, in Revelation 19, 11, Christ will come back. And every eye shall see him, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. When he comes in the, in, in the, in the, for the rapture, he just comes in the air. But when he comes in the revelation, he comes down and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. Now let me tell you something. The worst of times is yet ahead for the world and for the lost and for Israel. Now listen. He says, our second passage, this is one of, uh, to me it's one of the most second, one of the most saddest scriptures in the Bible other than he came to his own, his own received him not. But this is a very sad, this is a very sad scripture over in Matthew 27, uh, chapter 27, 30 verses 37 through 39. Now this is Jesus, and he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, which are sent unto thee, how oft would I gather thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and you would not. Now he says this, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, Ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus is on his way to Calvary, and he 
These words came from the lips of Jesus Christ as he sat upon the Mount of Olives and he gazed over the city Jerusalem. This was 700 years after God had sent him a message. Come now, let us reason together. But listen, Jesus gazed over this city and over this people with great sorrow. Isaiah said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Why did he gaze over this city? Why was he in sorrow? The Bible says in John 1.11, he came to his own and his own received him not. Think about it. Why was he sad? There was nothing Jesus could do to help those inhabitants of Jerusalem. You know why? Their unbelief. That was the only reason why Jesus couldn't help them. Their unbelief. Now let me tell you something. The Bible says if, if you believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth, thou shalt be saved. You've got to believe him. You've got to trust him. You've got to put your faith in him. But let me tell you something. Jesus was unable to help these people simply because they would not believe him. Think about it. And he said over the Mount of Olives, and he wept and he cried. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen doth gathers your chicks. But he said, you would not come. I wonder if he looks over the portals today and says, oh, America, oh, Israel, how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen doth gather their chicks and you would not come. Let me tell you something. I worked with a forester, Bob Bean Blossom, but he told me this story. I believe it was Bob, but he had fought many fires. And he said it was nothing to come up on an old hen and kick her sideways after the fire had come through, and the old hen would be dead, but the chicks would be safe. <laughs> And that's what Jesus is saying here. Oh, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you together as a hen doth get? But he said, you wouldn't come. You wouldn't come. Well, well, what happened here? Romans, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Did you know multitudes in Jerusalem, they saw Jesus turn the water into wine. They saw him heal the ten lepers. They saw him, heard of him raising Jairus' daughter. They, they was around him there when the woman with the issue of blood touched him. And he said, virtue's going out of me. And he says, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. They seen it when, they, when a couple of his buddy, uh, this man's buddies, tore the roof down and brought him down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus told him to take up his bed and walk. They saw him stand at the grave of Lazarus. And go over science and death itself and seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. 
they seen him feed the 5,000 plus with the fishes and bread. They seen all these miracles. But many of them said, John 10, 20 says, he's a devil, he's mad. Why hear ye him? In John 10, 30, 33, after hearing him speak of the good shepherd, they took up stones to stone him. They said he was a glutton, a wine-bibbler, a friend of sinners. In Matthew eleven nineteen. Israel as a nation would have nothing to do with the Messiah, the one that left the ivory palaces, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the, the form of a flesh, born of a manger. He lived a sinless life, and my sins was placed on his body at Calvary. Listen, they did nothing to do with him. Does that sound familiar today? Huh? Does that sound familiar today? Let me tell you something. Jesus came on a specific mission. And that mission was nearing its end. Now Jesus knows exactly why he came. And I'm going to say something. Jesus didn't come to bring a utopia to the earth. Jesus didn't come the first time to be the king of Israel and set up his kingdom. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to bleed and die and reconcile man back to God, reconcile that relationship. That was the whole purpose of the ministry of Christ, but the nation of Israel. Listen, everywhere he went, they tried to stop him. You know, I tell them about church, and you could go in Buffalo High School with a, with a shirt on that says, God is good, and you wouldn't hardly get a, hear a murmur out of it. But if you walk in there with a shirt on that says, Jesus saves all the demons of hell, we'll, we'll, we'll raise their head in that school. You know why? Because at the name of Jesus, he's the only one that brings salvation. Listen, at the name of Jesus, listen, the Satan knows the name of Jesus. Everybody, most people believe in God. They believe he's a being, but oh, at the name of Jesus. But listen to me. Israel, Israel had a choice to make. God had a great desire for Israel. All through the history of Israel, folks, no one has desired Israel like God. No one. But Israel as a whole, they rejected him. Israel had a decision to make. And friends, you do too. Jesus came 2,000 years ago 
He lived 33 years. He lived a sinless life. He was the God-man. He was the man of flesh. He suffered every temptation, every thought that you and I suffer, yet was without sin. And he went to Calvary, and he bled and died. He went down into the center of hell. He preached to those in the paradise side of hell. And the Bible said after Jesus erected, uh, resurrected, many of the graves were opened, many of the saints went in. But you, you've got a choice to make. But Israel rejected him. I'm going to quit here in a minute. And in that last verse there, I preached this out church. We've taught on it before. He said, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Folks, did you know there's not enough adjectives in the dictionary to describe that statement? You go home and you look up the word desolate. But Jesus looked at, he said, listen, I want you to observe something. You've rejected me. I came to my own. My own received me not. You rejected me. And he said, listen, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Disaster. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Now, this is on the physical and spiritual both. But Jesus knew when he said over that city, he knew they was going to reject him. He rode in on, on an ass there. They put palms down, throwed their clothes down, and they held, mastered all these different things. And folks, it just wasn't a few hours later, the tables have turned. But they, they rejected him. And in, Jesus knew, number one, in A.D. 70, that the great Roman emperor Titus would flatten Jerusalem and there wouldn't be a stone left upon a stone. There wouldn't be a wall left. And he knew that the blood of his people, the, chose, the blood of the Abrahamic covenant people would be in the streets. He knew that. Did you know Israel's had eight wars since 1947-48? They've had eight wars. And I believe the war in 73, I was trying to think of the name of it this evening, and I gave it to Josh last week. My right, writing's on it. Huh? Can't hear you. Yeah. Did you know they found, right after that war, they'd done excavations over there, and they found some of the stones of the temple. All those years later. Jesus said there wouldn't be one stone left upon another. What a disaster. What a disaster. I wrote this down about 30 years ago. I wrote it down and I even typed it out again today. A person, a city, or a nation that turns their back on God and rejects Jesus Christ as Savior is headed for great disaster. Now, Oliver B. Green, I heard him say this years ago, and he said, regardless of the times or the seasons, God's message has not changed. The wages of sin is death. God is not mocked. We reap, we sow. God 
Word declares it. God cannot lie. And the message for this hour, the message for this day, is the same message that Isaiah preached to the nation of Israel. It's the same message that Jesus preached to the Jews. And that message was, you must be born again. Listen, you must have a personal relationship with Christ. You must repent of your sins and accept Him into your heart. Believe in your heart. Trust Him. My question to you is tonight, what will you do with Jesus? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't take this the wrong way. I can preach till the Lord comes and be lost. I can give out gospel tracts. I can knock on every door in Buffalo and be lost. I can give, let me tell you something, there's a lot of people who's going to stand before God and they're going to offer him their church tithes, they're going to offer him their church attendance, they're going to offer him their goodwill, and you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, depart from me. Depart from me. A lot of people come to church on Sunday, they check the box off. They read a couple chapters a day, they check the box off. Let me tell you something. It's got to be much deeper than that. And it's got to be a personal thing. And my question to you this evening is, what will you do with Jesus? God still invites you to come. Now you say, preacher, I'm this and I'm that. I'm in this, I'm in that. Let me tell you something. Apart from Christ, as, as Jackie Clark used to say, you'll never quit till you get the quitter on the inside. Remember he'd say that, Josh? You'll never quit what you're doing till you get the quitter on the inside. That's Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, if you'll come to me in John 6 and 37, he says, all that the Father gives me, all that the Father gives me, all that comes to me, he said, I'll in no wise cast them aside. In Matthew uh, uh, chapter, verse 28, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor are heavy laden. Let me tell you something. If you're here tonight and you think you just went too far, I've got good news for you. There is a fountain filled with blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins. And he won't ask you one question. He won't ask you one question about your life. He won't ask you one question. But he says if you'll come to him and you'll believe on him and you'll accept him, he'll save you. And let me tell you something. All of your sins will be placed on the body of Christ that was at Calvary. Make no mistake, listen to this, make no mistake, no man has ever indulged in sin and turned their back on God and got away with it. Neither me, neither you. And folks, when we look around today, I don't know the time that he's coming. I don't know the time the church is going on, but I know just a little bit of Bible. And let me tell you something. Jesus could have come yesterday. And the question is tonight, are you ready? 
Are you ready? God bless you.